If you have one unit of truma that falls into less than 100 units of chulin, and therefore the mixture nid'amu becomes a meduma mixture, forbidden midarabanan. Again, midarais, you recall, you need to have just row midarabanan. You need 100 times, you don't have it here. So now, let's just say for argument's sake that what you had originally was 9 units of chulin, one unit of truma falls in for a total of um, 10, which means that the mixture is now 10% truma. So, <clears throat> what happens if, what happens if, from that mixture, which is 10% truma, one unit falls into another batch of chulin? So, how much in the second batch of chulin do you need to make the mixture permissible to eat, now that one unit of the meduma mixture, the 10% truma mixture, fell in. Rabbi Eliezer says, Lashitaso, he always assumes the worst, that what came out of the first batch could, at a worst case scenario, be entirely truma. Therefore, he has that chumra. And that being the case, he says, Medamas ketrumas vadai. The ratios are as if that mixture, the meduma mixture, that's 10% truma, as if it were pure truma. That is to say, if one liter of the meduma mixture, the 10% truma mixture, falls into chulin, you'll need to have 100 liters of chulin to make the second mixture permissible. And the chacham say no, chacham say no, ein ha-meduma medamea el lefi cheshbon. No, you, you only consider the appropriate ratio, assuming, you can assume that it's blended equally and it's prorated, so if it was only 10% truma in the mixture, let's say for argument's sake, one liter fell in, and it was 10% truma, which will mean that of that liter that fell in, only 0.1 liters, a tenth of a liter, was truma. So you'll need to have 100 times that amount, 100 times 0.1, or 10, 10 liters of chulin in the second mixture to make the whole the second mixture now permissible. Again, the chum hold that if one liter of the 10% mixture falls into chulin, you need to have just 100 times the 10%, in other words, you have 100 times the 0.1 liters, in other words, 10 liters of Chulin against the one liter of the mixture that is 10% truma will be sufficient to eat the mixture. Again, the words inside, translating carefully now, the chacham say, Ein ha a mixture of truma and chulin, doesn't midamea cause a new mixture to become forbidden as a mixture of truma and chulin, except according to the calculus, according to the keeping track of the actual ratio of what fell in, like I described. The mission now goes on to talk about two other cases that are El Lefi that are also based on you know the mathematical ratios. Um, this is going to take us a little off topic. The first is half on topic. We're talking about a mixture of Truma Saor, um, and I'll, let me explain what this is about. So, in general, the rule is we have all sorts of rules regarding Bittol. If you have mixtures of Isr and Hatzor, we have all sorts of rules about what what's the required ratio to make the mixture have a status of hetzer, considering that the treating it as if the isser is too insignificant to play a role here. So in other words, bitl means that it's sort of effectively gone. It's not, not worth, the isser part is not worth considering. And in the case of truma, we said that the ratio was 100 times against. If you have 100 times of chulin against one unit of truma, the mixture is permissible. The truma component is not considered to be significant enough, it's bottle. Now, 
There are certain exceptions to this, these bitter rules. There are certain devarm shenimus batlim, certain things that can't become batal. Um, and <clears throat> one of those examples is the case that our Mishnah will invoke. That's a case of leaven. So you're probably familiar that when the Torah prohibits, this is not a different topic, when the Torah prohibits in Pesach time, um, there's two prohibitions of what you can have. You can't have chametz and you can't have sa'or. Chametz is good old-fashioned, you know, leavened grain products. You know what chavan is, any of the five species of grain mixed with water, 18 minutes later, and bingo, you have leaven, chametz. Sa'or is something different. Sa'or is actually not food, it's not really edible, um, but it is functions like how we use yeast today. And in fact, it is it contains yeast, which is why it does what it does. Nowadays, when you want to make your bread, you'll add pure yeast into the... Oh, no, I'm not recording. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Um, you'll add pure yeast into the bread, excuse me, into the dough, and that'll make the dough rise. Um, in the time of the Mishnah, there was no access to pure yeast. That's not what they did. Instead, what they would do is they would separate a bit of the dough um, and leave it on the side and not cook it, and then they would use that day-old dough the next day, um, mixing it up with today's batch of dough. What happens is yesterday's dough now is fermented, and, and it's you know not something you want to eat, but it acts as, as the catalyst to now create new yeast and um, create a new leavened bread. That's called sourdough. So the saor is that leavened, not really edible, but very yeasty, you know, fermented bread, dough, that will be used to cause new dough to rise. So, if what you have, let's say, is a truma dough, let's say some challah, and that is what ends up being the leavening agent, the saor, that you, that goes into today's batch of dough to make today's batch of dough rise. So, you would wrongly think that you need a hundred times of chulin dough against that one unit of truma day-old leavening agent dough, um, that would be incorrect. The reason why is because, let's just say for argument's sake, you had a thousand times more chulin dough than truma leavening dough. Um, if you make the bread, and the bread rises, so then you can't just say, oh, the trumas can be ignored, it's not here anymore, because the fact that you have risen bread is screaming, uh, there's a leavening agent, and the leavening agent was truma, so you can't say it's insignificant. It's obviously very significant they made the bread, and it's screaming it's still here. Uh, that's actually the category of these things is called a ma'amid, um, like a catalyst, because here it's, it's catalyzing the, r- the rising of the bread. A different example, just to illustrate the point, to make sure it's clear. Let's say you have um, rennet, which is like an animal protein, that an enzyme that you put into milk to make cheese. So again, if you have a thousand times, for argument's sake, milk against the little bit of rennet you put in, if it makes cheese, so then you can say, listen, there's a thousand times more milk than there is animal protein, and it's it's permissible. No, it's forbidden, because again, the fact that this milk is now cheese is telling you that there's enzyme here. So the enzyme is not insignificant, because it's screaming, here I am, and that being the case, it can't be bottle. So, that's saying, I go back to our case in our Mishnah, when it comes to the leavening agent, the soor. So if you have leavening agent, and that leavening agent is truma, and it falls into dough, of any amount, even a thousand times or whatever the number is, times more chulin dough than truma dough. If the dough rises, then the dough is forbidden and the truma is not battle, even more than a hundred times to one, because the the truma component is screaming, here I am, look, I leavened the bread. The case for our mission is, what happens if you have dough, which is a mixture of truma, leavening agent, and chulin? 
And if you leave it be, it's going to rise like any dough. That's for sure, as I said, forbidden. But what happens if some of that dough, that mixture, now falls into new chulin dough? Do we treat it as the mixture as being pure leavening agent and all forbidden? Um, or do we do something else? So the answer is, I'm saying it outside first, the answer according to the Bartanura, the words of the Mishnah mean, if there were enough, there was, if there were enough truma leavening agents as in the what fell in to the second batch, that if that's all that fell in, just the truma components had fallen in, if that would be enough to make this second batch of dough rise, then it's forbidden, because the truma is still significant. And if not, meaning if the truma component alone fell in, it wouldn't be able to make the bread rise, then the fact that a larger combination of truma and chulun fell in doesn't make that second batch of dough forbidden. Yeah, I hope that's clear. Let me read it. I'll read it inside and sum up one more time. Mishnah says, Ve'ein ha-mechumatz machmitz el and that which has um, risen, because it's a sourdough mixture, that's a combination of chulun and truma together, and that mixture falls into some other chulun dough, it isn't considered to have been machmitz, causing it to become chametz, and therefore making it usher in whatever measure, el except according to the calculation, um, meaning that you calculate how much truma, what, how much truma proper is in this mixture that fell in, and if that alone had fallen into the second batch of chulun, could the chulun have risen into bread? If the answer is yes, it's forbidden, and if not, then it's permissible. Fine. And the third case is different altogether. It's talking about um, water, maim shuvim, drawn water added to a mikvah. So here's the backstory here. A kosher mikvah, mikvah requires 40 sa'ah of water. That water is supposed to be uh, I'll call it rainwater to keep it simple, um, as opposed to water that was drawn by hand in a kli. So as long as you, once you get 40 saw of water in the hole in the ground, so then you could start pouring in cups and cups of water from the, till the hole, you know, a million gallons. It doesn't matter, the mikvah stays kosher. But prior to that, so midoraisa, you need rov, meaning if you had, let's say, 21 saw of rainwater in the hole, and you added by hand 19 more saw of rainwater manually, the maim shuvan, that would make the mikvah okay midoraisa, because it's still rove kosher rainwater. But midorabanan, they said no. Midorabanan, if you haven't got 40, and you start adding maim shuvim, it's going to pass the mikvah. When is it pass the mikvah? Pretty quickly. When you add just three lugin. Now, I don't want to get the math so much here, but just remember very briefly, a sa'ah is, in our system here, it's a, a six-pack of two-liter bottles, 12 liters. Okay, that's one sa'ah, so you need 40 of those, 40 times 12, meaning 480 liters, roughly, assuming my numbers are exact. Um, that's how much water you need in a kosher mikvah. Now, a lug, um, you'll recall, is the 500cc bottle, like a small, you know, 500cc bottle of Coke, let's say. So three lug in of those will be 1.5 liters. Okay, so in other words, if you're Kind of do the math. 1.5 is an eighth, one eighth of 12 liters. If that's how you want to think about it. Um, meaning that there's eight, there's, sorry, there's 24 lug in one saw, 
meaning that three lugin is an eighth of a saw. So if three lugin, meaning an eighth of a saw, roughly 1.5 liters of drawn water is poured into a mikvah, and that mikvah has yet to have 40 saw of rainwater, Midrabanan, the whole mikvah's puzzle. That being said, um, the rabbis did build in leniency, because this obviously quite a, ride, quite a wide difference between the kosher mikvah Doraisa and mikvah Durabanan requirements. And therefore they said, as long as you have the majority of the mikvah filled up with rainwater, if you then take drawn water and don't pour it directly into the mikvah, directly, because if you do that, even gimalugan, even three lug, one and a half liters, will possible the mikvah make it, you know, invalid. But if you pour the minority of the mikvah, like the 19 saw worth, on the ground next to the mikvah, and it rolls, it flows from the ground by itself into the mikvah, so you're not pouring directly into the mikvah, you're essentially pouring indirectly into the mikvah, you're pouring onto the ground, then it like rolls into the mikvah. That's called hamshacha, like moshech is to pull, hamshacha, like it, it, it flows in, drags in by itself. So then, your mikvah is going to be okay, provided that the v'cheshben, the majority of what is in the mikvah, is rainwater. So that's how the Baratunur learns the Peshat in this Mishnah here, where it says, Ein hamayim she'uven, water that was drawn, but poured, not directly, poured indirectly to the side of the mikvah, where it flows in derech hamshacha, by, by flowing in by itself, it won't ruin the mikvah, ein poslan as a mikvah, el v'cheshben, unless the calculus comes out that there is um, not a majority of rainwater in this mikvah. As long as you have a majority of rainwater in the mikvah, the minority could be maim shuvin that came via hamshacha and will be kosher. Fine.